Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. I really am so excited that you've decided to join us for this service. You know, people come to church or watch a church service online for lots of reasons. I don't know why you decided to join us today, but here's something I do know. God is at work in your life and he's brought you here to this place in this moment to accomplish his purposes. Since people grow here, you will leave changed. I trust his work in your life. So can you. I'm Chris Voigt, and I lead the pastoral team here at Dayspring. We have a fantastic team who work tirelessly to help people grow. We love helping you discover the best path forward to deepening your spiritual roots, whether you are here in the room or watching online, live or on demand at some point in the future. If you are visiting Dayspring today, we want you to know that we are a come-as-you-are kind of church. We don't have any perfect people here. We are all in process, working through our junk, and sometimes that is a messy process. So if you can embrace our mess, we'll embrace yours, and together we'll let God work to clean it all up. And if you're just checking out Jesus and church, this is a safe place to bring your questions and doubts. We're all on a journey. And wherever you are on your journey, welcome. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church, by checking out our Facebook page, or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find study questions by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. And now, Let's join the service. And today, we're going to talk about relationships. Uh, relationship with Jesus and with other people. Now, some of you may already have a relationship with Jesus, and today you will be challenged to deepen that relationship. Some of you are just starting to explore what that relationship looks like. So those of you who are, are exploring this whole Jesus thing, what is this about? You may have some questions about how to have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're asking, who is this guy anyway? Stay tuned. I think some of your questions will be answered. And I'm guessing that as old questions are answered, new ones are going to pop up. So please know that we are all about helping people answer those questions so that they can grow spiritually. So please ask the questions. You can do that with a face-to-face -face conversation or a phone call, or you can email us at info at dsf.church. We would love to help you find the answers and figure out the next step in your spiritual growth journey. So when it comes to our relationships with people, we can most likely think of someone we dearly love. And we can most likely think of someone who, we who would be the last person that we would invite to dinner. And for some of us, we are the last person that someone would invite to dinner. I mean, you know, come to think of it, I haven't had an invitation to dinner that wasn't a family dinner in quite some time. Hmm. You know, it isn't always zero or a hundred in the relationship department. And sometimes it isn't even that we don't like a person, but 
we just don't know how to love them. And maybe they have a different political view or a different spiritual view or a different view on whatever. Maybe they're going through something that we can't understand. So we keep our distance or avoid them altogether. Or worst case scenario, treat them poorly when we're with them. And sometimes, it's important for our own emotional and physical safety to love someone from a distance. I mean, don't confuse loving someone from a distance with avoiding them because you don't like them or because they're difficult to be around. We need to love someone from a distance when their presence causes us physical or emotional harm, when it's a toxic relationship. And so you choose to remain apart physically. Sometimes communicating through a third party is appropriate, and sometimes having no communication at all is necessary. But this doesn't mean that you shouldn't forgive them, pray for them, hope God's best for them. That's loving from a distance. At any rate, relationships with people can be challenging. They're challenging for two reasons, us and them. Our relationship with Jesus, on the other hand, is different. When our relationship with Jesus becomes challenging or difficult, it's a one-sided affair. His love, the love of Jesus, never changes. It's us who become distant or resistant to him. And last week, we resumed our series in the Gospel of John after a three-week break for Easter. Chris picked up last week in chapter 13, which he assigned us as homework for us to read. He taught about experiencing peace of heart instead of having a troubled heart. And today we'll look at our relationships with Jesus and with others in chapter 15 and then have some homework from chapter 16. But before we dive into God's word together today, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you with hearts that want to love well. And so, God, as we allow your word to seep into our minds, to seep into our hearts, and to change our behavior, we pray for the strength and the courage and the wise discernment that you will give through the power of your Holy Spirit that others may see you through us. Amen. So, do you want the good news first or do you want the bad news first? I know, I'm a bad news first kind of gal. So, here's the bad news. Not everyone will like you. Not everyone will like you. And more specifically, people will not like you because you love Jesus. And people by nature want to feel like they belong, to fit in. We want to be loved and respected by everyone. Intellectually, we know it's not possible for everyone to love and respect us. That doesn't negate the fact that when we feel unloved or even unliked, it doesn't feel good. And Jesus understood that about the disciples, and he understood it he understands it now about us. He understands the challenges in relationships, the challenges in loving each other well. And as Jesus commands the disciples, and this applies to us as well, to love well, 
he warns that there will be opposition, severe opposition. And, and we're going a little bit out of order today so that we can get the bad news over with. Um, so let's begin in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. We're going to start with verse 18. And we'll come back to the beginning of chapter 15 in just a little bit. So starting 15, 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. For if I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen and they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. Now the word world in this passage is not referring to the earth, you know, the globe. It's referring to the enemy of Jesus. And the world here basically represents Satan's value system, which rejects Jesus Christ. It also represents those who choose to live by this system, those who choose to reject a relationship with Jesus Christ. The world does not have neutral ground. It either loves or it hates. And this is dependent on whether one is in agreement or not. Uh, that is one way, it's, it, it's a conditional thing, right? The relationship is conditional. And, and that's one way that we can tell the difference between Christ and the world. Christ does not change what is acceptable to him. What is acceptable to the world changes with the times or the feelings or the desires of the people at the time. And it can be, but isn't always blatant sin. The world is very good at disguising itself, um, its evil self, in tolerance and peace and equality and socialism and even religion. All those things seem like righteous qualities to obtain, and, yet, and they are, when they are sought after from a biblical perspective. The world here isn't interested in the biblical view. It is interested in the make-me-feel-good-for-now view, the view that eventually draws us away from Jesus. Jesus said, if the world hates you, and this is not to mean that it's questionable. It's more of a, if the world hates you, and trust me, it will. Satan hates Jesus. He also hates those who follow Jesus. Satan also encourages the rejection of Jesus and his ways to anyone who will listen. 
Jesus came into the world to expose darkness and sin and show people the way out of it. He provided an avenue for redemption and forgiveness and eternal relationship with God. And he was hated for that. Still is. Sin and darkness never want to be exposed. And the light that Jesus brings pulls it all out into the open. Those who follow Jesus will be hated by those who hate Jesus. And everyone likes to be loved. So there's the bad news. Now, one piece of good news is that once we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we no longer are a part of this world system. We are a new creation who no longer wants to live a worldly life. We are, a, we are the salt of the earth and a light unto the world. We are, or we should be, a living example of what a life aligned with the love of Jesus looks like. But we have a challenge. Now, for some of you, this will be good news, and for some of you, it'll be more bad news. So, Raise your hand or comment in the chat feature if you like a good challenge. Okay, so we've got some bad news for you people out there that didn't raise your hand. The rest of us were ready, right? All right, this challenge is the most rewarding and the most difficult thing you will ever do in your entire life. And actually, it's more than just a challenge. It's a command from Jesus. We find it in several places in the Bible, but today we're going to look at this command in John 15. So let's look at John 15, 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. And Jesus says it again in verse 17. This is my command love each other. And as, as we'll see in a moment, Jesus is talking to believers here. He is not talking to those who don't know what the love of Jesus is. Jesus commands us to love well, to love like Jesus loves us, so that others will also believe in him. They will want to be followers of Christ because they see the difference that the love of Jesus makes in a person's life. Everyone wants to be loved well. We want to be loved by others the way Jesus loves us. And this kind of love is unconditional. It's sacrificial and full of forgiveness and grace. And I'm guessing here that there is not a word in the dictionary that is more abused than the word love. I mean, I love chocolate. Um, I love animals. I love Tony. There's a great difference in the meaning in these three statements. I, I don't love chocolate the same way as I love animals, and I don't love animals the way I love people. I love Tony in a way that is different from any other human being. But we use this same word to describe our feelings toward many things, although those feelings are actually quite different in each situation. The type of love that we're talking about today is called agape love. It's a God-centered love. It doesn't have anything to do with our own desires. It has everything to do with our hearts, 
aligning with how God feels about another person. This is biblical love. This biblical love has some key components to it. It is unconditional. It is sacrificial. It's forgiving and grace-filled. So what does it mean to love unconditionally? Well, first of all, it doesn't expect anything back. There's no expectation of feelings or actions being reciprocated. There are no conditions or requirements for this type of love to be extended to another. It's a gift we give because we love Jesus. Sometimes we decide how we will love someone else by how they love us. It's not the biblical love that we're talking about today. Sometimes we decide how we will love someone by how they fulfill our expectations. Do their actions and their behaviors line up with how I want them to act? If they don't, our feelings toward them might change in a negative direction. And I was visiting with a Christian gentleman not too long ago. He knows his Bible very well. He attends church several times a week. He's in Bible study and prayer group, but he doesn't have a good relationship with his teenage grandchildren, and he's really confused as to why not. So during a long and deep conversation, I listened to him describe his disappointment in the relationships, and I listened to his frustration, how he explained how when he goes to their sporting events, they don't even thank him for attending. They just say hi and get back to their teammates. And he was often unsatisfied with the way they dress, the fact that they did not attend church and that their table manners were not up to standard. And I could see his tension rise, even anger, as he was talking to me. The truth of the matter is, he withholds his love for them because they are not meeting his expectations. And I know these kids very well, very well. And they are the most helpful, loving, smart, respectful teenagers that I know. What a loss. I mean, what a missed opportunity for this gentleman and his grandchildren, all because his love has conditions that must be met. And the sadder part is that he doesn't get it. I mean, after hours of talking about unconditional love, he still doesn't get it. He has direct and regular opportunities, direct and regular contact, opportunities to be a witness of the love of Jesus to young people who are beginning to think, if this is Jesus, I'm not interested. The kind of love that Jesus commands us to have is one without condition or expectation. It isn't without boundaries. We all need healthy boundaries, and that's why sometimes it's appropriate for us to love from a distance, but that's a topic for another time. Agape love is sacrificial. What does sacrificial love look like? Sacrificial love places another before ourselves. It's putting you before me, your feelings and desires above mine, your needs above my needs. And we live in a world where it's all about me and my feelings. 
Uh, the world's love pendulum has swung from an unhealthy sacrificial love described as walking all over me to a selfish love of I am who I am regardless of how it affects you. And neither of these definitions reflect the love that Jesus is talking about. Sometimes we have to suck it up, buttercup, and sacrifice our time or our feelings or whatever to love others well. Now, if you're married, agape love requires 150% from both partners. I mean, whoever came up with 50-50 has not read the Bible. And, you know, sometimes I give 50 and Tony gives 200, a rare occurrence, of course. <laughs> Sometimes I give 200 and Tony gives 50, an even rarer occasion. <laughs> sacrificial love requires us to give up something. That's what sacrificial means. And just for the record, you don't keep a record. That's called scorekeeping. <laughs> Scorekeeping is for games, not for relationships. Again, this isn't a zero-boundary situation. However, spiritually healthy people understand the difference between healthy boundaries and loving sacrificially. And if you have some confusion in this department, we want to help you. Please contact us. Agape love is also forgiving and it extends grace. What does a forgiving, grace-filled love look like? It says that you don't have to earn my love. It says that I know you will make mistakes and I will for choose to forgive those mistakes. Pastor Randy Frazee in his book, Think, Act, Be Like Jesus, says this. For the Christian, forgiveness is not isolated individual dosings, but a lifestyle. This is what God does for us daily. Living a lifestyle of forgiveness allows us to extend grace to others for their faults. Heaven knows we have quite a few faults of our own, and they need forgiveness. The day that we can say that we are perfect is never going to come this side of heaven. We need grace every day. We need grace from God. We need grace from others. And that means that not a day will go by that we don't need to extend grace to another. All right, ready for more good news? There's a way for us to love unconditionally, sacrificially, and full of grace and forgiveness. And this kind of Christian love is made possible through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Agape love, however requires some choice and discipline on our part. So let's look at the first step to a healthy, healthy God-honoring relationship. So we're going to back up to verse 1 in John chapter 15. Now Jesus is speaking here. The analogy of a vineyard that he uses would have been very familiar to those he was speaking to. And in this case, he was speaking to uh, believers. So, let's see what he has to say, in verse, starting in verse, or chapter 15, uh, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, we have the gardener or the vine dresser, and we have the vine, and we have the branches. Now, the gardener is the keeper of the vineyard. He is the one who tends it. He does not leave the branches to their own devices. He makes sure they are all growing as they should, training them along a trellis. And he has an expectation that the vineyard will bear fruit. Now, some examples of fruit are found in Galatians 5 and love, say it with me if you'd like, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and my favorite and yours, self-control. These are all qualities that we need to have in order to love like Jesus. This fruit was, would also include um, helping others come to know Jesus for the first time. An old school term might be winning souls for Jesus. The gardener is God the Father. His job is to coax the most fruit possible from his plants. Now, the vine is not the long trailing limb that sprawls along the trellis. It's the trunk of the plant that grows out of the ground, and it's what gives the branches life. Traditionally, it's about waist high, and it ends in this large gnarl uh, from which the branches grow in either direction. Jesus is the vine. And finally, we have the branches. The branches are tied to a trellis or propped up with sticks to let the air circulate to provide the maximum amount of sunshine and allow full access to the tending. If the branches are allowed to trail and grow along the ground, they don't bear fruit because they're coated in dust and rain creates mildew on them. And the branches represents those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Believers are the focus of the gardener's efforts. He comes along and he lifts up the branches and he cleans them and trims them and puts them back on the trellis. And his efforts are intended to produce characteristics in us that show his glory to others. His tending should create characteristics in us that enable us to love like he loves so that others will want to know him. Okay, let's go to verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, when we have these characteristics or bear this fruit, it shows up in spiritual maturity and the ability to love others well. Now, note that the branches are the ones that bear fruit. The branches bear the fruit. However, they cannot do that without a healthy attachment to the vine. We call that abiding or remaining in Jesus. Now, verse 6 can be a little bit confusing. It says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. 
This verse is not referring to a believer losing their salvation. We know that from Scripture, once a person surrenders their life to Christ, they have a forever relationship with him. We can see that in John uh, 6.37. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. And we see it again in John 10, 27 through 30. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. So the phrase, like a branch, in John 15, 6, leads us to the possibility that we can become useless in our testimony because of our choice in lifestyle. Believers who are actively, currently away from the Lord, living a life that would not glorify God, are worthless in their witness of Christ, just as a withered-up branch is worthless for use. Such a person is never worthless to God, never worthless to God. However, they are unfruitful for God's kingdom because of the testimony of their lifestyle. Uh, Scripture tells us that nothing can snatch us from God's hand once we have truly received Christ. So in this view, the subject is not salvation, but the ability um, to bear fruit. So let's pick it back up in verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Whatever we wish is not about worldly wishes. When we remain in Christ, our wishes begin to align with his wishes for us. Remaining in Christ helps us to want the same things that he wants. Remaining in Christ helps us um, desperately to want the same things that he wants. It helps us to bring glory to God as our desires conform to his. If we want to bear the kind of fruit that the gardener wants, we must be willing to receive the nutrients that the vine offers. We must have a desire to be a healthy branch. We must, we must stay strongly attached to the vine, grafted into the vine. And the bigger the circumference of the branch at the vine, the more nutrients the branch can receive. And the healthier, or the, the better the attachment, or the stronger the attachment, the healthier the branch. And the healthier the branch, the more fruit it produces. And the more mature the fruit, the better we show Jesus to others. This process is why we care so much about our spiritual growth here at Dayspring. We grow here. Okay, continuing in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So part of, part of God's love language is obedience. 
God's love is not conditional upon our obedience. He loves us no matter what. However, our obedience to God's word shows our love for him. So not only does our obedience show our love for him, our obedience to, to the Lord brings complete joy of Christ to, to us, which brings us back to our command. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And this is my command, love each other. Jesus says, remain in me. It, it's not only when I remain in Christ, it, it, it is only when I remain in Christ that I can love others like Jesus loves. So that's good news. We can love well because we can receive what we need by staying desperately grafted to Jesus. We don't have to do it on our own strength. In fact, we can't do it in our own strength. And here's more good news. Chris talked last week about Jesus uh, sending the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to the disciples as he would be leaving them soon. And he explained quite a bit about the Holy Spirit. And if you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to check it out on our website. It will give you some more insight here. As Christ followers, we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us the moment we surrender our lives to Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and discernment and power for obedience. But we have to choose to heed wisdom and discernment and obey. We have to choose to love well. But the beauty is that we already have everything we need to do so. The fact is that we already have what we need available for us to be successful. So that puts the ball in our court. Now, as I mentioned before, the command in this passage was written to believers. The love one another part does not only apply to loving other believers. Believers must love each other well, and we must love those who don't know Jesus well. We must remember that how well we love people who don't know Jesus is what draws them to him. But frankly... Believers haven't done a great job with the love connection thing. Unfortunately, our lack of love has actually pushed people away from Jesus. People are watching us. When we aren't doing it well, an unbeliever can look at us in our selfish love and, and assume that the way we love is what Jesus looks like and say, no, thank you. Just like the kids I talked about earlier. And it's only getting more difficult. I mean, I don't think our intention is to fail here. Sometimes we, we don't know how. We just don't know how. We find ourselves in the tension between legalism and love, between what I believe and what you believe, about non-essential theology. If I support this person, does it mean I'm condoning their behavior? We can love without agreement. It is possible to love someone without approving of their sin. We can, incur, we can choose to be in relationship or to be right. And too often, we choose to be right. We are called to love those who we could never love before. In fact, Jesus tells us to love not only the ones we like, but our enemies as well. 
The love that Jesus puts in our hearts as we remain in him enables us to do that. Matthew 5:43 says, if you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Remaining in Jesus also enables us to love the unloved, the outcast, the marginalized. Most importantly, remaining in Jesus allows us to love him Love like him so that the world will see what true love looks like and turn to be drawn to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would guess that you might struggle with one of the same obstacles that I do, judging others. I mean, I forget that condemnation is not my job. I forget that Jesus came not to condemn, but to forgive. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict others with their own heart. I'm not the judge and jury. I'm a witness. We often call a person who doesn't know Jesus an unbeliever. I like to call that person a pre-believer. Because one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It just depends on when. Either we confess it while we still have breath and live eternally with him, or we can confess it when we no longer have breath in us and have realized that we could have, but chose not to. That's called rejecting Christ. Which according to scripture would give us an eternity afterlife in hell. Either way, we will all believe one day. When a pre-believer is truly under conviction, they will see their need for Christ and confess that they cannot measure up on their own. They will realize that Jesus is their only rescue. There can be no conviction apart from the Spirit of God who uses the Word of God, Jesus, and the witness of God, the children of God. I know how challenging it can be to love like Jesus. I struggle too. It's hard enough to love well those I find easy to love. Myself gets in the way a lot. I'm sometimes uncomfortable approaching others whose lifestyle is far out of my comfort zone. And in our culture today, this this challenge is only going to increase. That doesn't change our command to love like Jesus. One thing that that I'm trying to do is to educate myself about things like lifestyle choices that I don't understand or that are uncomfortable. I, I also work on keeping a short account with God, naming my faults and asking God to show me those that I don't even recognize because they're there. And I have relationships with people who hold me accountable for my attitude towards others. 
And more importantly, I'm in the Word. I know that I am the only one responsible for my spiritual growth. And these are ways that I can participate in my spiritual growth as I learn to love like Jesus. But most importantly, I have the Holy Spirit inside me to guide and direct and convict and encourage. The Holy Spirit comes to empower the church, the believers, to witness to the world. And just as Jesus was God in Abad, the Holy Spirit uses his church as a body to accomplish his purposes. The Holy Spirit works through those he resides in. We are the tools he uses to glorify Christ and to witness to a lost world. We are the tools he uses to show the world the love of Christ. So your homework for this week is to take a look at John 16, 1 through 16. And just because I know not everyone will like me, there's more homework. I challenge you to seek out someone you find difficult to love. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you figure out one way that you could love unconditionally. One way that you could sacrifice in a healthy way. One way that you could show grace and extend forgiveness to someone you are struggling with. And then do it. Love them like Jesus loves you. Let's pray. We come before you, our holy heavenly Father, uh, repentant of our selfishness and un- just unwillingness often times to understand what biblical sacrifice means. We take for granted the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus did for us on the cross and we just kind of go about our days as poor witnesses because we're human. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word and the, and the Holy Spirit to, to help us, to guide us, to direct us, to prompt us. And so do that, Lord, today. In every one of us, because every single person online and in this room needs to love like you do, that others see who you really are. Not see who we are, they get that view pretty well, but see who you are. And we thank you for the opportunity to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' precious, holy name. All of the people said, Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Let me encourage you to download the study questions by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Working through those questions alone or with others will help the truth of God's Word find its place in your life. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen, or you can call the church during the week. This ministry is made possible because of people like you, people who believe in what God is doing through Dayspring. Your financial generosity is proof of God's work in your life. 
If you're just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. That is the responsibility of our Dayspringers. Just enjoy the rest of your day. If you'd like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen or mail a check to us at the address you'll find on our website. Also, thank you for liking and sharing and following Dayspring on whatever platform you're on. It means a lot to me when you pass on the good news of Jesus to your friends and family. Until next week, may you experience God's favor and blessing in your life.